Well, okay, I'm going to just share some thoughts that I, I got from God in terms of when I say I get these thoughts from God, it's, it's his counsel uh, t- to me as an, indiv- in, as an individual. It's for me and to me. And so I'll just read here and then uh, we can see what God has for us this morning. I think uh, and this is going to lead up to uh, this, this message that God is going to give us, his counsel, give to all of us this morning, is going to lead up to this incredible inheritance that we have. And I want to get into the inheritance on Thursday. But uh, God would have us to see what the enemy and how he tries to do everything he can so that we don't function properly in our inheritance. And of course, to function properly in our inheritance that's ours, we have to have a, a, a continual proper image. You can't have, you don't experience one without the other, uh, truthfully. And so, uh, based upon that fact, we're going to see this morning then the thing that's needed that's going to keep us functioning in a proper image, thereby always looking to Christ, who, who, who literally is our inheritance. <laughs> We, he's been given to us by God the Father. And that's why he's our all in Colossians 3.11. But I'm going to read again here in Matthew, the 11th chapter, and I'm going to start in verse 25. Now, previous to this, previous to this, we see the religious crowd of the day, the religious crowd under, under legalism, functioning in the flesh, Resisting God in Christ, rejecting him constantly, resisting and rejecting him constantly, and accusing him of all kinds of things. You see that in Matthew 11, uh, the 19th verse, and all the way down through. But in verse 25, it says this, at that time, and, and think about that, how, ta- how important time is to us, the moments that we have. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hid these things from the wise and the prudent. Those that think they're wise and those that think they are prudent. And you can see uh, when it talks about the so-called wisdom of the world, you can see that in 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, when it deals with that as opposed to Proverbs, the eighth chapter, when it talks about wisdom. And then you can also see that the worldly wisdom, again, being brought out in the denial of the very resurrection life that Christ is. You can see that again in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter. But here he says that, I thank you, Father, that you hid hid these things unto the wise and prudent, those that function in the world, unto the prince and power of the air, Satan, and has revealed them unto babes. And, and the thing about this word babes here, when we think about this, in terms of even where we are, in terms of a local assembly, the body of Christ on earth, gathered at different locations, we see in 1 John 2, Verse 12 to 14, in any local assembly and in the body as a whole, the body of Christ, of which we are in Ephesians 5.30, it's made up of babes, young men, 
men and women, you know, and babes, young babies, you know, girls and boys, and then young men and women, and then spiritual dads, it says. But in this, in this sense, in this sense, we're going to see what we all need, no matter what, what uh, period of growth that we're in. But what we'll see, because in Galatians 3 and verse 28, it says that we are all the children of God by faith. We realize that we are children and that we need to constantly depend upon him. No matter what stage of growth we're in, babes, young men, spiritual dads. We're all, in Galatians 3 and in verse 26, we are all technia. We're all his babes still. Now, we grow up, and as we grow, we become a full adult children. Weos, and that's the Greek word weos, H-U-I-O-S. We become mature. But we all need dependence, and for us to have dependence, we're going to see what, we, what is needed. And so, because without this, we will function as those positioned in Christ, but experientially will function just like the world system. We will function just like those that function in the world system and think that we're wise and prudent, but we truly are babes. Now, it says in verse 26, Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. It's good in his sight. See, the goodness that we have in terms of being in, spirit, in Christ, spiritual babes, young men, and spiritual dads, in that sense, the goodness only is revealed to us when we come, as we need to come, in absolute dependence. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in your sight. We all need a Father. Every one of us. We all need a Father. We all have one in Christ. That's why Jesus said in Matthew 23 and verse 9, call no man father while on earth. Call no man father while on earth in the sense that only God is in that sense. Okay. Verse 27 says, all things are delivered unto me of my father. Notice that. All things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knows the Son. Notice that. No man knows the Son. No man knows Him in terms of Savior, except he depend upon Him and receive Him. And then no man in Christ can experience who Christ is and experience a loving Father apart from continual dependence. Call no man Father. All things are delivered me of my Father, and no man knows the Son but the Father. Neither knows any man the Father except the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal. Say he to reveal. How does he do that then? How is God, and, and, and we know that God the Holy Spirit, prior to you and I receiving Christ in John 3, 3 to 6, we needed to be convicted in John 16, 8 to 11. He convicts the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. 
That is prior to salvation. Then we receive Christ. Now what do we need? We still need continual dependence, and that's John 16, 13, and 14. He guides us into all truth continually. We need that continually. Now how does that happen? And here's how it happens. Come unto me. You had to come unto me in terms of salvation. What makes any of us think, now that we're born again, that we don't have to continually depend upon him? You see? And so, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. That's how. Take my yoke. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly. I am gentle and humble in, in heart, in mind and emotions, and in every single affection and desire. For I am meek and lowly, gentle and humble and in heart, and you will find rest unto your souls. Think of the world system under Satan and their deception. In Revelation 12, 9, trying to get rest trying to use anything and every single thing to get rest. Well, you will find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Boy, that's a lesson we have to learn. You and I, all of us, in Christ, all of us, we have to learn that moment by moment. It is a continual lesson learned with continual dependence. Now, when it says all labor and are heavy laden, that's the truth. All do labor and are heavy laden. And you will continue to do so, and we will, until we come unto him. And that means, obviously, we need to be subject unto him. We need to have our will submitted in obedience so that we can have that love that only comes from God, that gives us the energy of his very nature, which we don't have in ourselves. And that love Will, will keep us in a place to receive light, which is purity, which refuses to have anything mixed with it. And boy, when you mix the flesh that's in us with the things that are, that are of Christ in Romans 8, 9, we can see the, the devastating effects of that. Because to declare, to declare that we love God and not to follow him in obedience is extremely dangerous. Not only, not only to us, not only to us, but to everyone that we would come in contact with. Because, because that's what we're teaching. We're teaching that it's okay to mix self with, with, with Christ. And it's okay, and we'll call that Christianity. Now, he says take, because the take here again speaks specifically of a will being submitted. Take my yoke upon you. This is very individual. It's something that only each individual can do based upon the fact that God saved them as an individual and they are an individual of the body of Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 27 and Ephesians 5 and verse 30. Take my yoke upon you. Your yoke, and this is what Jesus is teaching us. Your yoke, the yoke that I have for you is mine, but you have to take it. It's mine. And when you do, now you learn. What am I going to learn? Just with the apostle. Still very mature in Christ as a weos, but still a technia in terms of dependence, 
In Philippians 4.11, he had to learn. Here he is. He's about 65 years of age. Where God has given him the heavenly truth, which is incredible. And yet still, he says, I have learned in whatsoever state, my present condition, in whatsoever state I am, to what? To be content. To be content. And that has to do with submission. It has to do with dependence. Because we won't have any outside of it. And so what he's teaching here again, and what he's teaching us here is this. You will learn of me. What will you learn? You will learn of my son and you, and you and him. That's what you will learn. And this speaks of vital union. A vital union. No, but, and there's no other means of proper identity, proper image, other than Jesus Christ with complete submission of the will. Otherwise, we become lost in our own thoughts. Now, we become lost in our own thoughts. Now, I want to hold right there. Become lost in our own thoughts. Where do we get our own thoughts if they are not God's one full thought, which is Jesus Christ? Where do we get those thoughts? We get them from the enemy. This is brought out in Genesis 6 and verse 5 and Genesis 8 and verse 21. Man ruined, fallen, and we're no longer in the flesh, but the flesh is still in us, but we're still of Christ in Romans 8, 9. Our flesh is just as evil still, even though we're not in it, we're in Christ, but can we function in it? And yes, we can. We see the result of that in Romans 8, verse 4 through 8. Now, again, the continual thought of mankind under Satan was only evil continually. Every single thought, purpose, design was completely evil. Genesis 6, 5 and 8, 21. Without that yoke, Without that needed dependence constantly, we will instantly function in the flesh experientially. Now, here's what happens. When we, when Adam fell, he needed to have Christ in the types that were brought out to bring him back to a proper relationship to God as Father. Otherwise, had he not done that, like Cain did not do, then Satan was his father in John 8, verse 44. Now, God chastens us because we're his own. It's the only ones he ever does that to. And it's love that does it. It's love that does that. Because we've been bought with a price in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20, we've been bought. We are the temple of God, the Holy Spirit, in 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 16. So God exercises the right of his love in, in terms of how he has brought us and bought us and obtained us. He will lovingly chastise us. That's his anticipative love and his prevenient grace. We've said many times, the first step of grace, many, many times, is chastisement. It just is. Because love can only flow through grace. Because no one deserves it. There's not anything that was ever created before it was created that even had a thought <laughs> until it was created. And it's very interesting. 
But he chastens us in Hebrews 12, 1, and by the time you get up to 8, because if he didn't chasten us, if he didn't, we would still function like, what's the word there? It's bastard. We would function like that still. And we still will. In salvation, we need it to be brought back from a lying father into a loving father through Jesus Christ. So, but also without submission and without that yoke, we function right back in the flesh and the enemy daddies us. And our experience cannot touch our position in Christ. This is very, 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 very uh, momentous. It's very foundational. He cannot touch our position because we've been positioned in Christ. But if, if God did not chastise us, we would still function in the flesh, even being born again, like what? Like bastards. What is a bastard? Now, I'm going to tell you, there's only two places in the Hebrew. There's only two places in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, where that word bastard is mentioned. It's Deuteronomy 23 and verse 2 and Zechariah 9 and verse 6. And this is what that word is. It's mamzer. M-A-M-Z-E-R, Mamzer. And you know what that word means? Listen to what it means, to alienate, to alienate. Notice that. Now, I'm going to read that word alienate for us, this word alienate here in the Greek language. The word alienate here in the Greek, alienated, and you can see this, you can see how that happens in Ephesians 4 and verse 18. Alienated is alo triuo, and it means to estrange away. Listen, it means to be a non-participant. This is the word in the 1828 dictionary. It means, listen to this, to withdraw as to the affections, the desires. To make indifferent, listen, where love or friendship before subsisted. And when I am alienated, when the enemy gets the believer to function in the flesh, he gets them and he uses them to apply a wrong use by using and abusing them. And this is very key. We're just, again, pretty much just, we're just basically really just touching this in a, in a very small, small way here. But that word, again, in the Hebrew, mamzer, it means to alienate or to function like a mongrel, i.e., what was a, a bastard or a mom's heir in terms of the Hebrew language? It was an individual born of a Jewish father and a heathen mother. A heathen mother. It would be this, a child of incest. You think about that, what incest is. A child of incest. Then we can see how evil the enemy is and what he did by luring Eve aside in Genesis 3, 1 through 6 and then Adam submitting to her and reversing the whole order and we know from there what happened. It is used of an illegitimate child, this is the Hebrews, who has refused entrance to the congregation of Israel until the 10th generation. And 10, the number 10 in the Bible 
in most cases means judicial completion, something that ultimately for the Jews, we already have that as the, as the heavenly, heavenly bride of Christ, Revelations 19, 7 and 9, the body of Christ in Ephesians 5 and verse 30, the body of Christ in 1 Corinthians 12 and 12 and 13. We are the body of Christ. We're the heavenly people. But in terms of the Jews on the earth, that won't happen till millennial reign. That will happen then. But right now, it can refer, it refers to an individual. It can be an individual, but listen, figuratively, it depicts the mixed population of Ashdod. This demon god, this demon idol, these demonic forces. Really, and again, it's a child of mixed parentage. We only have one father. That's what, Je that's what Jesus was saying in Matthew 23 and verse 9. You only have one father. That's not a title that some man in some ridiculous system replaces God as a go-between. At all. There's one mediator between God and men. 1 Timothy uh, 2 and verse 5. It is, it is the man, Christ Jesus. That's brought out even what Job was desiring in Job 9 and verse 33. Now, here is this word, here is this word, and this is amazing, boy, this is so incredible. <laughs> As God was just uh, counseling me and leading me through the languages and the correlations this morning, uh, giving me counsel and, and just teaching me so in-depth and making things crystal clear through the word of God, through the light of the word, so that I function in the purity of his love through a submitted will and obedience. That word, <clears throat> bastard, in Hebrews 12, verse 8, is, is the Greek word nothos, N-O-T-H-O-S, nothos. And this is what it means, a spurious or legitimate or illegitimate son, one who is born out of wedlock. Now, where do we get all of that? Remember where the thought came from? When Eve, instead of receiving from God his one full thought, she gave place to the enemy in deception. That's what we will do. That's what we will do in a, in a heartbeat. Because we are Christ's Eve. We were taken. Like Eve was taken out of Adam, we were taken out of Christ in terms of what he accomplished. And we are married to him. We are his bride. He's the bridegroom. And we don't function and when we function outside of him, we get involved in incestuous thoughts. Very, 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 very convicting. But this is where we get the thoughts, thoughts. The word thought in the Greek is noema, N-O-E-M-A, noema. And it's from the Greek word noeo, and that is N-O-I-E-O, -E and it means to exercise the mind or to observe. Figuratively, figuratively it means to comprehend or to heed, give, give over. That's what Eve did. That's what Eve did. That's what we do in the flesh. And it means to perceive with the mind as distinguished by feelings or emotions, to distinguish the difference the mind. And then this is from this is from that word where we get mind in the Greek which is nous, 
N-O-U-S, the mind. And it means the intellect and oh, how the proud when they function under Satan. Not one thought is God in Psalm 10, verse 4, and in Psalm 50, verse 21. They think they have intellect when they're functioning under Satan. We have no control over our mind. It's what the thoughts that we think that control the mind that the will submits to and affects the emotions, the mind, the emotions, the will, the conscience, and self-consciousness, those five parts of the soul. So that is the mind, the intellect, the mind. And we can have the mind. We can have the divine mind of Christ in 1 Corinthians 2.16 and Philippians 2.5 or the human fallen mind. And as a believer, we can function in that fallen human mind in the flesh. But flesh is in us to teach us constantly and, and teach us that we need the yoke. That's what it teaches us constantly. That's the only way. We wouldn't, we wouldn't submit otherwise. We would not submit to love's need to love us fulfilled in and through Christ, through his obedience. And when we submit, now we can obey. Now, that's what it means. So it's, it's a mind that's either in, in divine form or human form. And it means thought. It's the thought. And we know how the thought affects the emotions. The emotions cannot think. They can only respond to the initiation of what the mind thinks in the thought life. No wonder it says, guard your heart with all diligence, your mind and laid, laid there, mind in Proverbs 4 and verse 23. For out of it are the issues of life. And, and in Proverbs 23 and verse 7, okay, as a man thinks in his mind, so is he. Oh, how the enemy convinces through his lies to the believer when we function in the flesh. So it's thought, the feelings, emotions, and it literally the will. And this is what makes the will so important to be submitted. And by implication, it's meaning. So my meaning will either be of divine the divine mind of God through Christ, or the human fallen mind with its thoughts under the enemy, as we said in Genesis 6, 5, and 8, verse 21. So, again, all those Greek words. Now we have this Greek word, noema. Noema is N-O-E-M-A, and this literally what it means. It's a perception or purpose. It's a perception that, we're, that the enemy wants us to heed to to function outside of God's purpose so that we function alienated. We are a non-participator in the love that God has for his son just so happens to be where we're truly located. We see that. We've been transliterated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of the son of his love, Colossians 1 and verse 13, because Colossians 1, 12, he's made us qualified to walk in the light. And we are children of the light. In Ephesians 5, 8, and 1 Thessalonians 5, and verse 5. So purpose. So noema is a perception or purpose or by Im implication, the intellect or disposition. We either have the mind of Christ or the self-life in the flesh 
under the control of the enemy, being a non-participator in the love that God has for us through Christ. That is what we are positioned in, but what am I experiencing? Boy, without the yoke, this is what we, this is what we end up with, the flesh, continual dependence. We have that constantly. We have need, I should say, constantly of this yoke. This yoke. Because this is what Satan is doing and tries to do to the believer. He wants to make children, okay? He wants to remake the old man in the believer through the flesh so he functions as a bastard. Illegitimate. Don't know who they are. Can you imagine most Christians that taught salvation, do they even know who they are? Do they know God and his essential nature, character, and essence? Manifested and declared through Christ, and if they don't have that proper teaching, where do they function? Yeah, he's remaking the old man. And when I function in the flesh, there is no trust and there can be no trust and there can be no obedience without that yoke. Now, to have that yoke, when we constantly depend upon him through that yoke, and remember again, Jesus never needed a yoke. It's not like what we think of yoke where it's two oxen. Each one has a yoke. It's not what it teaches. Matthew eleven twenty nine teaches Christ who fulfilled Numbers, the 19th chapter, specifically the second verse. He was to be spotless and blameless, and no yoke had ever been on him. He never needed to be restrained to obey. He constantly fulfilled the Father's will. In John 4 and verse 34, he finished the work in John 19, verse 30, and in John 8, verse 29, in Romans 15, 3, he always pleased the Father. Always. He never needed a yoke, but you and I do. He never had a fleshly nature. He had a human nature. That's brought out clearly in John 1 and verse 14 in the original languages of the Koine Greek New Testament and also brought out clearly in Luke 1 and verse 35 and also brought out clearly in Hebrews 4 and verse 15, yet without sin. That meant nature. Nature. But we need that yoke. We need that vital union to function properly constantly in a proper image and a proper identity because otherwise if we don't have that yoke we begin to function in what we think are our own thoughts they're not they're not but when we have that yoke we will always find always that he is there to be found and he, and what we find is his thoughts about you and I proceed from him they proceed from him who is our life in Colossians 3 and verse 4 and not our own thoughts. Our own thoughts will never give us rest. We can see that. We even see it in Isaiah 57 and verse 19. I create fruit. I create peace. He does that. He did it through Christ. Galatians 5, 22 and 23 as uh, Isaiah 53, 11 was teaching. He creates it. Otherwise, if not, without that yoke, 
We no longer function in the peace that's ours. We no longer have a peaceful experience, a peaceful, loving Father as our experience through Christ, and we begin to get weary. We begin to wander. There's no peace, says my God, to the wicked. You see that in Isaiah 57, 20 and 21. The unbeliever, and, and when we function in the flesh, even though we're positioned in Christ, when we function in the flesh, we function like a non-believer. And a non-believer never experiences rest or peace. Never. They're like the troubled sea, constantly bringing up the mud and the mire of the old life. Bringing it all back up again, even though it's dealt with in your experience, the enemy is bringing it all back up again. Now you have to do something about it. (laughs) Constant bondage. Constant bondage. You see that in John 8. Verse 34, you you begin again to be a slave to that old sin nature, but really you're not a slave to that. You're a slave to the one that created it. So again, we need to have that yoke constantly to experience the rest and peace that's ours because Jesus Christ himself is the only place of rest because he's the only place of peace in Ephesians 2 and verse 14, one on the cross in Colossians 1 and verse 20, he was the only one that was dealing, propitiating the Father in propitiation. Had to do, that had to do with Jesus Christ and the Father. Furthermore, our sins, our, our participation was, our sins were on him. That was our participation that he dealt with, that he removed. In Psalm 103 and verse 12, as far as the east and eternity is from the west and eternity. He removed them, but he crucified the old in Romans 6, 1 through 6, without any participation of our will. Everything he did was without participation of our fallen, ruined, evil will. Ever. He didn't, he, he never relied on it, obviously never would. But he is our only place of rest It's the only place that our soul can rest when it stops thinking in terms of self. It's not self-consciousness. We need to be delivered from that. It's not dead life. It's not being separated. Being a non-participator. Ephesians 4 verse 18. Functioning in darkness. No proper thought life through no proper light of the scriptures. But We function in the conscience that Christ is in me and that is now in me. And then moment by moment with dependence, I am of him. Notice that in Romans 8 verse 9. The flesh is in us, but we are not of it. Again, I want to stress the word in and of. In all of our reading of the scriptures, I want to stress the word in and of. They're very, very important in the contexts of where they're located. As we begin to close this this morning, because what? His yoke is easy. What is the other yoke? It's the yoke of bondage in Galatians chapter 5, verse 3, specifically in 4. But you can see when we lose the true freedom and liberty that's ours in Christ, we were once slaves under Satan. We've been liberated Because love through Christ has captured us. We're more than conquerors now, Romans 8, 37. That's positionally. 
But that has to reach our proper experience through having this yoke of dependence. But again, as we see this, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. The only other yoke is being a slave in the flesh in experience under Satan functioning like a illegitimate child. But so then we understand this. So then that what? Faith. Faith is dependence. And dependence is freedom from my will and all of its evil effects. Freedom. We've been liberated. Why go back again? Why go back again in a in in an experience when my position is I'm free? That's the flesh that's in us. We need constant, listen, we need constant. Uh, yoke. That means constant teaching and preaching constantly, constantly until we go home and we're in heaven to see him face to face. We need that constant dependence so that we don't function in, in our own will. And when we don't, we're free in the freedom of who Christ is in us and who we are in him. He is my life and my proper life. The normal Christian life is a life of freedom. But there's no freedom experientially without his yoke that he designed for each of us. There isn't any. And you know what? The natural man, the flesh in us, does not want that yoke. We don't need a father. We we think we don't need a father. We function as illegitimate children. And you can only do that in in, in Satan. And then you can see Israel, when they refused God as their father, they got into all kinds of incestuous relationships through demons, and demons were behind all those idols, those particular material things, but what was behind it? Demons. Idols. And the idols were what? In Deuteronomy 29 and verse 17, They were little dungy gods. They were ill-illums. Ill-illums. They were nothings. (laughs) And what are we, and what is the enemy wants to convince us that we are, experientially, even though we're in Christ, what is he wants to convince us that we are? That we are nothing when we don't experience his love for us. We have no proper purpose. None. Without love, 1 Corinthians 13, verse 2, I am what? You mean that's what God considers me to be in Christ? The son of his love? Who accomplished everything for me? And then without love, what does it profit me? In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 3, what does it profit me? I mean, come on. Yes, we need jobs. Yes, we need occupations. But that's where we get our something from? That's where we get our profit from? You mean money is profit? You mean that's what's profit and we go after it? How about being content with such things as as we have? No, the flesh is never content. It constantly needs more and wants more. Can't have enough of anything. You know why? Because lust is insatiable. It's never satisfied. But Christ has met all my need. Philippians 4 In verse 13, I can do all things through him because my need has been met in Philippians 4 and verse 19. So the enemy gets me all mixed up with all these other things. He gets my view away from Christ. 
It gets it away in Hebrews 12 too. Even business can be a distraction if it takes me away from Christ. Boy, I wish we all knew that one enough. How about Matthew 6, verse 33? Seek first the kingdom of God. Then all the other things will be added unto you. No, seek all these first, and when I have time, it's you, Jesus. Never. 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 When are we going to get that one straight? And when I say we, I'm including myself in growth. Believe me. He is my life, and it's a life of freedom. We need the sovereign grace that Christ is. And by the way, he's Lord. No one makes him Lord. If you read your Bible, long before anyone ever was, he was Lord. Sovereign. Sovereign. <laughs> Reigning over all. But we have sovereign grace. The grace that Christ is. The truth that it brings the truth of his love in John 1 and verse 14, revealing what the soul does not know before as truth because it had its own power. Yeah, no wonder. Psalm 102 verse 23, he weakens my strength, what I think is my power, the lie from the enemy. He shortens my days in the way, thank God, through this separating, winnowing process. In Luke 22, 31 and 32, brought out in Hebrews 4 and verse 12, the word of the Lord is, is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing, and boy, the, the flesh doesn't like those piercings, and God could care less. Piercing even to the dividing, separating, asunder of soul, self-conscious living, apart from God-conscious living in spirit. And you can see, even in the sacrifice, it's brought out in Hebrews 4.12, the sacrifice that Christ was the great antitype fulfilling all of them. You cut that, that pure sacrificial animal, it's good to have a spot or anything in it, no imperfection. And that was our precious Savior. And that's who we are in Him and who, who He is in us. But we don't know that. When, we don't know these things when we function in what we think power is. And think of what intellect is. The pride of intellect. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. In Proverbs 16 and verse 18. And you can, look at, you can look at Lucifer. Who was light. The sun of the morning, the light reflecting it. And then he became the absolute opponent. And hater of God and man created in his image. See that in Ezekiel 28 and verse 15. Well, not dependent. I'm not going to be dependent on my own will apart from being submitted to him. Not dependent. God does in us with a submitted will. God does in us what he's already done about us. And I don't know it till I submit to it. Me, I don't care who you are. And, and all the false thinking, to think that I could surpass an understanding even the Apostle Paul when he, with Christ as his pastor teacher, had to still learn at 65 years of age to learn constant dependence, to be content in Philippians 4.11. <laughs> Boy. Godliness with contentment in 1 Timothy 6.6. 6. 
Six is great gain. That means he's gained me through the submission of my will. So now I'm content. Now I can rest in him and trust in him for everything and stop going by sight and, and feelings and looking at everything and struggling like a spiritual three-year-old. But thank God for his, his tremendous love for us. How he deeply, look, God fulfilled his own desire to love you and I through Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, that was apart from our will. We didn't participate in that. Everything that happened on the cross, with death, life coming out of that death, was no participation of ours. It's between God the Father and Jesus Christ the Son. We have to receive it. Not in terms of salvation in John 3, 3 through 6, but now in constant dependence to learn and to constantly learn through that yoke in Matthew eleven twenty eight 28 to 30, so that we function in a love. And when we do function in a love, nothing disturbs or distracts that love because that love is God revealed to us through Jesus Christ. And when we submit to that, we don't function as slaves anymore in the old sin nature taken captive by all those old lust patterns again and getting busy. Yeah, if, hey, listen, if you and I are in business, it better be, the, it better be if it's business in this world, on this earth, it better be his business that's motivating us to do it. Because if it's not, it's from the self-life. Looking away from all that distracts unto Jesus, having eyes only for him, and for his love for us. And Father, we thank you so much for your counsel and your deep love. In Jesus' name, amen.